0: It says recording. The tie I'm wearing this morning is the gifts of the Spirit—love, uh, joy, peace, and so on—and we'll probably mention that a little later. But there's the tie. So if, if you see me up close while you're having your donut, that's that's the significance of the tie. Here we go. John chapter 14. John chapter 14 is the upper room discourse. What's the upper room discourse? But that's when Jesus, with his disciples, celebrated uh, the Last Supper, the, the supper that we have translated into what we call the Lord's table or the Lord's uh, communion service that we celebrate every month. Uh, we just finished celebrating that last week. Uh, <clears throat> and the reason that I give this preamble is because the words that he's speaking, as I'm sure you're now aware, uh, are in preparation for his departure. He knows that by this time tomorrow, speaking about the time that this is actually being spoken, John chapter 14, he's going to be dead. Physically dead. He's going to go through all of the thing that we call Passion Week and, and we get into uh, uh, the Easter season or Resurrection Sunday, towards Resurrection Sunday. Uh He knows that that's going to happen, and so those words that he's sharing are really very poignant and very important. In fact, the message that Franklin Graham gives fairly nearly every time he opens his mouth is from the Upper Upper Room discourse, John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's that's the verse I just quote. Ooh, I memorized a verse. How about that? But the point I'm making here is all of that takes place during that period of time in which Jesus knows what's about to happen. And so as you prepare yourself for departure, when when years and years ago, my quick military story today, uh, my son Rob, my eldest son, had just been born. He was born in August. And I went to Okinawa in September. So before leaving, right after my son was born and Shirley came home with the baby and everything was fine and and all of those things, we were making preparations for my being gone. She was going to be, quote, a single mother uh, for that year or 13 months that I was going to be away. And so she had to take on the full responsibility of the family household. And during that period of time, she actually moved out of moved us out of our apartment and moved into another house. And when I got home, this is aside. I didn't know where I lived, uh, but there we'll do that another time. But the point I'm making here is we had to make plans for my being gone. Uh, she was going to have to write the checks and pay and pay the bills and, and et cetera, et cetera. And and I had to make sure that my allotment was set up properly so that she'd have the money to pay the bills and, and and so on. All of those things were important because I was going to be gone. And the year that I was gone, Vietnam was still going on. I was in Okinawa without her because I was deployable, which meant that I could be called at any time to put myself again in harm's way. Now, I never had to do that. I spent the year in Okinawa and then I came home. But all of that was on the plate. And so here we have Jesus in somewhat the same situation, don't we? He's leaving and he knows he's not coming back, not in his physical form. And we're going to be talking about the other form uh, as we talk about the Holy Spirit today. Uh, But he is going to be doing exactly uh, or very nearly exactly what I had to do uh, in 1971. So we look at then the scripture in uh, John chapter 14, Upper Room Discourse, Jesus speaking. The page after page, if you have a red letter edition, this is all Jesus speaking. This isn't John speaking. This is the words of Jesus. Okay, here's the transcript. Oh, that's a political term. I shouldn't be using that, should I? Uh, verse 15, if you love me, Jesus says, keep my commandments. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father... And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but you know him for he dwells in you, within you and shall be in you. Who is he talking about? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit is is come. We have problems sometimes with trinity. We think in terms of we know that there's one god and there's but then we talk about God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and those are the three manifestations of the single god and each has a specific purpose. And there's God the Father, he has a purpose and he has demonstrated his purpose for God the Father so loved the world that he gave what is only begotten and so on, John three sixteen. We know that. Many consider the Spirit to be impersonal, rather like a force. But he's not impersonal at all. Other people see the Spirit as a common bod of love among God's people. And we can back that up and say, that well, there's an element of truth in that because when the Spirit is working in those people, then that common bond can exist. If the Spirit isn't working, if you don't have the Spirit, uh, then uh, that Spirit isn't working. And we just sang the song He stands at the door and He knocks. Oh, well, that's the scripture. Uh, one of the songs we sang comes right from uh, Revelation chapter 3. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He who opens the door. And lets him come in. He comes in. That's the paraphrase of the verse. But that's the song we just sang. That's what hymns are all about. Hymns help us to better understand. The scripture that we read. It puts flesh I think to the scripture. If I can put it that way. Why do Christians believe in the Trinity? Well there's several reasons. The Bible clearly teaches that there's only one God. Yet it calls all three persons God. There's only one God, Deuteronomy chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 44, and so on. The Father is God, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. The Son is God, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things that were made were made by Him. That's the scripture that we're talking about there. If you look at a chronological Bible... A Bible that's been shuffled and said, "Well, this is this happened first, and so on." In some of those chronological Bibles, the first verb in the Bible, first verse in the Bible is John chapter one verse one. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. In fact, it's actually probably a little clearer in our understanding. Helps us better understand. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And then when you take Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and say, and God, in the beginning, God created. God was there. God was there before the beginning. That's the pre-existent one. That's the, has always been one. And we don't understand always. We don't understand it. The Holy Spirit is God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 speaks to that Acts chapter 5, chapters uh uh, pardon me, ch- chapter 5, verses uh, 3 and 4 speak to that. And the Acts chapter very clearly states as Paul is dealing with, uh, or Peter, excuse me, Peter is dealing with, with Ananias and Sapphira. You remember the story. Uh, he sold a piece of land and he came and he said, I gave all of the money to the church. I gave it all to the work of God. Uh, I'm a pretty neat guy, right? And Peter says, well, wait, wait a minute. You gave some of it to the church and kept some of it for yourself. So, know, there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. But he was bragging the fact that I gave it all to the church. I'm such a magnificent, you know, if there's anybody that needs to be praised today, it's me. Because I gave it all to the church. And he says, guess what? You lied against God. You've lied to God. You've grieved the Holy Spirit. And so we have those two terms in the same passage that speak in terms of who the Holy Spirit is. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. I want to use some names, uh, and we'll do that. Let's, let me do this first though, because I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, when Christians talk about believing in one God in three persons, they do not mean this. Now listen carefully. One God in three gods. Or three persons in one person. Or three persons in three gods. Or one person in three gods. Rather they mean one God in three persons. Close your eyes for a moment and picture a wheel with three spokes. To support the wheel. The wheel is God. And each of the spokes, one of the spokes is the Father, one of the spokes is the Son, and the other spoke is the Holy Spirit, are all God with a special function. They are the three personifications. Can I use that word? Personifications of God. Therefore, the Father is God, the first person of the Trinity. The Son is God, the second person, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Some, and of course, old, or pardon me, King James says Holy Ghost. Uh, we've kind of cleaned up that language. Uh, Good thing because Halloween, we get all crazy with that. It's not Casper the Friendly Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit because that's who we're talking about. Holy Spirit. Each is an acceptable, uh, translation, however. Uh, why do we believe? Uh, in the Trinity, the Bible clearly teaches there's only one God, yet all three persons are called God. Uh, humanly speaking, <clears throat> my name is Martin Hubler. I'm a father. I'm also a husband. Before I retired, I was a teacher. That was my profession. And I could be, I could be called by any one of those titles, and each of those titles that I had, that I carried, had specific tasks or duties to perform. Okay, there was a certain, a certain relationship that I have with my wife, Shirley, and a relationship I have with my children, the father's situation, and as a teacher, my relationship with my students. But they all come around and put me in the, make, make another this is another tire. This isn't the same tire that we just created. That's uh, called Martin Hubler. And of course, now uh, that I'm retired as a teacher uh, and I'm a pastor, one of those folks is pastor. I'm still a husband. I'm still a father. And now I'm a pastor. And each of those spokes has a function. And all of those functions are what? Fed by what? Who? The Holy Spirit. Who is God. And that's the way it works. I love this. I want to read this to you. Uh, St. Patrick is believed to have used the shamrock as a way of illustrating the Trinity. He said, is this one leaf or three? Think about that. Is this one leaf or three? If one leaf, why are there three lobes of equal size? If three leaves, why is there just one stem? If you cannot explain so simple a mystery as the shamrock, how can you hope to understand uh, one so profound as the Holy Trinity? Well, I've taken that another step further, and as I've pictured uh, that illustration of that of that shamrock with the three uh, lobes, as they're called, one of those is the Father, one of those is the Son, and the other one is the Holy Spirit, and they're all attached to the stem. And the stem is God. They are all God manifested in that way. Make sense? That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is truly God. Truly God. I'm going to go through now and talk about some some of the names for the Holy Spirit. And I need to readjust my notes to do that. And excuse me just a minute while I... Make my notebook cooperate. Here we go. Okay. Breath of the Almighty. Job chapter 33 verse 4. The Holy Spirit is the life-giving breath of God. The Holy Spirit is the source of life from God. He's the one through Christ who connects us to God. Think about that. And the verse we just read, the Upper Rome Discourse, when I go, I'm going to send another. And that other, that's one that he sent, is who? It's the breath of the Almighty. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit that is going to indwell you and will never leave you, will never forsake you, and will do all of the magnificent things that the Holy Spirit can do. And some of the names that we use for the Holy Spirit... Do what? They illustrate for us exactly what it is, what the function of the Holy Spirit is. Counselor, Comforter, the Holy Spirit comfort, counsels and gives strength. John chapter 14, I just read that to you. Uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 26, all speak in terms of the Holy Spirit is our strength and our comfort. We're to turn to him when we're in trouble and when we're weak, being assured that he intercedes With aid for us. Intercedes with and for us. Intercedes for us. We need him. And think about that. In regards to. When troubles enter your life. When something happens. That's beyond you. What's your first. Step. Well I got to take care of this myself. And you beat yourself up. Deciding that I can't do this by myself. I cannot. And so finally we get around to praying to God. And ask for guidance. And the Holy Spirit provides that guidance. Because the Holy Spirit is right there just waiting. Almost like Revelation chapter 3. Jesus knocking on the door. Anytime you're ready to talk to him. He's ready to talk to you with you. Spirit. Spirit of counsel. We need to make use of God's guidance by letting the Holy Spirit lead us. Now, how does the Holy Spirit lead us? Well, theres that's what the Bible's for. That's why God gave us the scripture. That's why we have all of it. Not just the Ten Commandments, not the thousand and so on. All of it. All of it is there for you to light your path and to show you the way that you should go. The eternal spirit, Hebrews chapter 9. The Holy Spirit is eternal God. And I think my early explanation of the fact that the Holy Spirit is God speaks in terms of what? The eternity. In the beginning. Now we didn't just conjure up the Holy Spirit when we got around to it. In the beginning, there were three people sitting at the table figuring out what was going to happen to the world. My physical explanation that breaks down terribly there but god the father god the son and god the holy spirit said okay we're going to create the earth and the people and we know that adam is going to blow it and because we all, we we know everything there is to know and we're going to set up this plan of salvation the whole thing it's all done from the foundation of the earth the foundation of salvation was a lot was was put in place and so we have the holy spirit is eternal god eternal god free spirit psalm chapter 51 says the holy spirit is god's generous and willy spirit willing spirit he's generous he's there for you at all times now we think in terms of jesus being there and and that's fine there's no problem with that the jesus is part the fact that Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to represent him. Speaks in terms of Jesus being there. In spirit, he is there. He is there for you. The same Jesus that went to the cross for you. The same Jesus that suffered for you. The same Jesus that died for you. Free spirit. God. We did that already. Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's God. Acts chapter 5 verses 3 through 4, 3 through 5, actually, if you read that. And that's that little snippet that talks about Ananias and Sapphira. So if you haven't read that recently, you should turn there. Acts chapter 5, verse 3. He's the good spirit. Nehemiah says that. Psalm says that. God's good spirit will teach and lead us in all that is good. When you finally get around to listening to God... To speaking to God, God always leads you the proper way. Now you might not like the way; you might not say, "Well, no, I can't do that. I can't. I can't go and and beg for forgiveness for what I've done to this person or that person. That's just more than I can do." Uh, God will help you to finally get there. But the path, the path to reconciliation. Is in forgiveness. It starts with forgiveness. Before reconciliation can possibly happen. There has to be forgiveness. There has to be forgiveness. So we have. uh, That good spirit. The Holy Spirit. God is spirit. And that spirit is holy. Psalm 51. Luke chapter 11. Ephesians chapter 1. He is the spirit of holiness. He's the Lord. Like Jesus and the Father, the Holy Spirit, is also addressed and worship his Lord. And there are scripture for that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The power of the highest. Excuse me. Power of the highest. Well, who's the highest? Well, we say that word God. The power all comes from God. It emanates from God and is manifested through the, the three spokes that we spoke about. Power of the highest. The Spirit... Is God's power. The greatest power there is. Luke chapter 1. Verse 35. Spirit of the might. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of strength. Spirit of adoption. He is the spirit by which we are made God's children. As we have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. As our personal Savior. And one of the first things that happens. As the Holy Spirit. Is made manifest in your life. Think about Think back to when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Not when you actually walked the aisle, not when you uh, went through the waters of baptism. I'm talking about when in your mind's mind you realize that there is a God, number one, and that God was willing to do everything there was possible to do to reconcile you to himself. He's already forgiven you You need to forgive yourself and come to God and say, cleanse me. And it's at that point that the Holy Spirit is available to you. That's when the Holy Spirit is there. That's that spirit of adoption, spirit of burning. The spirit of God is a fire, purification. Think in terms of Isaiah uh, chapter 4, the burning lips. And you can read that uh, for yourself. I don't want to spend all the time there. Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' own Spirit of love shared with the Father. And that's what I've been touching on as we've gone through. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ is in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is Jesus' own Spirit of what? Of love. Shared with the Father. Spirit of glory. The Spirit always gives glory to Christ. Always gives glory a couple of things that we talk about the spirit and prayer the spirit of God is the spirit of prayer when we finally get around to it it's the spirit that guides our minds and hearts to God think about it when we finally get around to it And we call upon him. It's he that helps us to move ourselves away from the physical things of earth and look to God for answers to whatever problems that we're having, whatever situation that we might have gotten ourselves into. And it's not always trouble, is it? Sometimes it's decisions that we have to make. Should I take this job or that job? Should I move here? Should I move in with my oldest son or my youngest son? Should it? And we, all of us are kind of getting to that. We have somebody that was kidnapped this week by their daughter. And I was saying that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing that there's a daughter out there that loves someone that's, you know, in our kind of age group uh, and hasn't left us out here at Sun City to bake in the 120-degree heat Uh Anyway, Spirit of God is the spirit of prayer. And that's what we're talking about. Reaching out. When you finally reach out and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, guess what? He will. He does. We can only approach God through Christ with the help of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that helps us get to that point. Jesus promised the gift of the Spirit. In the in the life of his disciples. And I just read the verse to you. Chapter 14. John chapter 14 verses 15 through 18. And the Bible tells us. That one of the crucial tasks of the spirit. Is to inspire and guide our prayers. What should I be praying for? Sometimes we don't even know. Sometimes we go pray. Give me this. Give me that. Give me the other thing. And that's not what you really need at all. It's what you need to do. How do I, how do I have a relationship with my, with my sister who I want to throw rocks at? And I've talked about my family a lot. Well, the first thing, the very first thing that you have to do, Martin, is you have to forgive your sister. Has nothing to do with your sister. You're not talking to your sister. You're talking to you. You have to forgive your sister. You have to have that forgiving spirit in your heart in order that you can reach out to her in in hopes of reconciliation. Now, she might not forgive you because, let's face it, whenever we have disputes in our family, uh, he said that she's wrong, she said that he's wrong, who's right, it doesn't make any difference. I spoke to someone, I gave a message a few months ago on forgiveness. And we talked about forgiving. And somebody came up to me after church and said, well, until my sister does thus, thus, and thus, and so, basically gets down on her knees and begs for forgiveness. I can't forgive her. (sighs) Weren't you listening? (laughs) Anyway, spirit of prayer. The fruit of the Spirit, and I'm wearing the tie, the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Pardon me, Galatians chapter 5, (coughs) verses 22 and 23 speak of the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? If the Spirit is actively working in your life successfully, what are you manifesting? What are you providing an example to the world. You are providing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, the scripture goes on to say. But go back look back at these. We can't do this in the flesh. Can't be done in the flesh. There are some that say that love isn't really, love is an overriding word that, covers the others. And and I'll have to admit that I, have, I give that a great deal of credence. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Because if you can, if you have love, you can do what? You can demonstrate joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can do all of those things if you really take on love. And if you look at uh, Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, uh, you can see what that's talking about. What What's love all about? Do I really love my sister? Well, yes, I do. Well, if you do, then you should do what? You should be able to forgive your sister in order that you might seek reconciliation with your sister. And I'm saying sister because I'm speaking now personal testimony. Stick in whoever you want to stick in in your own personal life. Through the Spirit. (coughs) So, let's go on. Gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit. My, oh my, where does the time go? Okay. (laughs) Here they are, and I'm going to give them to you. And they're all there, and you can read them for yourself. Romans, Corinthians, and (coughs) Ephesians. Those are the, (coughs) pardon me, (coughs) chapters. Romans chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. Apostleship, gifts of the Holy Spirit, prophecy, evangelism, pastoring, teaching, exhortation, knowledge, wisdom, discerning spirits, leadership, administration, service and helps, acts of mercy, giving, healing, faith, miracles, speaking and interpreting tongues. We can talk about that another time uh, and so on. Okay, now, these are the gifts of the Spirit. Now, if you actually... Now, we get to the giving. I'm going to hit that just very quickly. Giving. Do you give in the Spirit is not necessarily what you've been doing. And I'm not... I, can't, I shouldn't look at anybody because I don't want you to think I'm talking to you. Uh, whoops, I'm going to fall. Okay. <clears throat> but this, this... Do you... Do you love giving? Do you feel that it's very, very important for you to give? And here we're talking right now about to the work of God, okay? Is it one of the more important things that you do is to do something for the box or do something for uh, Samaritan's Purse or, you know, whatever the whatever the ministry might be. Uh, <clears throat> Is it just as important for you to do that as it is for you to give a birthday gift to your sister? Let's you say, I'm talking about my sister again. But but you got the idea. And God provides that opportunity for you to have that spirit, the spirit of giving. It's not just, oh, well, it's, I got, I, here, let's see, how much should I, I'll fill up the bank someday. And bring in the pennies, nickels, and dimes. That's giving, and it is. It's it is giving, but is it giving out of out of a heart full of love? I almost want to add giving to the uh, <coughs> to the gifts of the Spirit mentioned uh, that we just read. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit talk in terms of giving it to all of these and every single one of you. Every single one of you that's accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior has been given spiritual gifts. Now, all of us have not been, get, been given the gift of apostleship or evangelism or pastoring. Okay. If we were all pastors, there'd be nobody, you'd all be up here with me, you know, and we'd be a chorus singing to empty chairs, right? That doesn't make sense. Okay. You got the idea. Teaching, some of us can teach, some of us just assume not. Yeah, I understand the information, but sharing it with others, eh, I'm not so sure I want to do that, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I've read them to you and they all are there and all you need do, guess what all you have to do? Pray that the Holy Spirit will show you, manifest in your heart and in your mind, which of those gifts pertain to you. And oftentimes, you're going to have a basically a natural, I'm going to say spiritual, inclination towards doing those things already. I've been a teacher all my life. I know that one of my spiritual gifts is teaching. When I was in the Marine Corps, I was always teaching. Period. No matter what job I was doing, (coughs) teaching got involved in a hurry. Not only was I doing... But I was teaching. I, I've been teaching Bible almost since the first year I became a Christian. It's there. Natural inclination for opening my mouth and putting my foot in it. There it is. I have the gift of teaching. <clears throat> I have had the gift of pastoring for about the same period of time I've always desired since becoming a Christian I have always desired pastoring. The, the, and I'm not talking about just talking about standing up here and preaching. I'm talking about the role of the pastor, the opportunity to reach out and to love his his flock, his people, being the under shepherd, if I can put it that way. I think in terms of what a shepherd does with the sheep. <clears throat> and it wasn't until I came here to be with you that I became a pastor with title. But now as I look back on my life, especially the last 15 or 20 years, I've been pastoring for a long time. I just didn't have the job title. I've been doing what I've been doing here for a very long time. So there it is. I know I have that. I I know it's there. And maybe you do too. Maybe one of these that I listed for you uh, this morning are your gifts as well. Your gifts. Holy Spirit. Names. Spirit of God. Spirit of Yahweh. Spirit of grace. Zechariah and Hebrews. God's Spirit is a merciful Spirit. God loves you so much that no matter what you have to bring to him, when you, God, I really blew it today. I did this and this and this and this, you know, and I watched a TV program and I haven't been to confession. That's, you know, that's that formal thing at another church. I haven't been to confession in so long. So man, have I got a rack of sin that I have to unload on you today. I've done all of these terrible things. You should excommunicate me for sure. God, not the church. God. And the Holy Spirit says Thanks for coming. Because if you confess your sins, I, the Holy Spirit, God is faithful and just to forgive those sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Isn't that what it says? John one nine? First John one nine? There it is. That's the Holy Spirit. So no matter what you bring to him, you bring all of the dirt and you dump it. There it is. That's what he wants. He wants you to dump it. Because in your dumping that upon him, you are once again demonstrating your trust, your belief, your love for God. For God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is about truth. John chapter 14, verse 17. We read that already. Uh, The spirit of understanding. Isaiah says the spirit is understanding itself. Spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit is wise. Spirit of life. The Holy Spirit is life giving. Now, how is that possible? That is possible because the Lord Jesus Christ said it was going to happen. That I'm going And even though I'm gone, and there's not a person in this room that can say, well, yesterday I shook hands with him. He's gone, physically gone. 33 years off, died, and so on. He resurrected again, and he resurrected in a spiritual body that we don't really understand. He was able to sit down and eat with the disciples and walk through doors on the same day. You know, how how was that? You know, physically, oh. Can't understand that. But there it is. I'm going to send a comforter for you that's going to be with you, that's going to dwell with you, that's going to be with you always, and even forever. Even forever. Spirit of prophecy. Somebody in Bible study this morning said every time they read the scripture. Something new happens. That's the spirit of prophecy. They find that every single word that's there. Oh, I looked at, I know that word is there. And I never really thought about how important that word was. What that word has a a major significance. Some minor little insignificant adjective or word like that. And all of a sudden, that word actually has full meaning and speaks to me about how powerful, how wonderful our God is. That's your Bible. Why does God say that that it's the bread of life? That as you eat the bread, as you eat wonder bread with peanut butter and jelly on it, you also should be in the bread of life every day. Every day. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And guess where you find that condensation? Uh, Let's see, I've, I've got one here. And you've even got a device, most of you. I don't know that I'll ever have a device that does that. But that's just my problem. Okay, so we won't go there. Spirit of Revelation, Ephesians chapter 1. God's Spirit reveals its truth. Spirit of the Father, Spirit of fear, Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Son, Spirit. Matthew chapter 4. The Holy Spirit is sometimes simply called Spirit. And you know what? We've done something to that word that makes us not understand. Oh oh my. I wasn't. I was looking over here and I wasn't looking here. And this is my grandmother clock. She is a grandmother. And the time is up. But that's good because I was down to the last point. Spirit is a word. And we've used that word yesterday or Thursday uh, when we gave out the candy and the kids came all dressed the way they were and spirit this and spirit that. And, uh, scary stuff. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit indwells me and he's there all of the time. And so my job... One of the things that Christ has told me to do. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you will follow me, he says. Holy Spirit, how do I do that? That's what we have to do. He's knocking on the door. Open the door. Let him in. Let him in. He won't come in unless you let him in. My sister won't forgive me. Oh, well, I still have forgiven her. Let's pray. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you this day for this simple message that we understand, perhaps, who you are and even what you are to us. We ask now that you'd guide us and that you'd lead us in the way in which we should go. You are the lamp unto our path. Let us take the path that is lit. And for this we give thanks and praise in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Okay, let's stand. 514, 1, 3, and 4.